seen me this morning, so um, I'm going to do a bit and Gareth's going to do a bit because principally what we're doing is we're going through the last session of our community, practicing the way, the way of Jesus, and we're going through the belong material. Now, Gareth's going to show you later on where you can find that on our webpage. It basically sets the foundations, uh, the cultures, the vision, the mission that we are as a community together. And if you haven't had opportunity to look at that yet, you'll be able to find out where to find that on our webpage. You can print it off or keep it electronically as a PDF as you choose. So we've been looking at community, practicing the way for the last uh, four weeks, previous weeks, and this is week five where we're going to come into land. And we're looking at uh, our belong material who we are, and uh, giving you the opportunity at the end of the meeting to fill out a form that if you've been journeying with us for a while and visiting, that you might want to go, yeah, actually, I'd like to know a bit more about you guys and whatever. The challenge we've got in this modern technological era is that most people swipe left and up on everything they get. And very little actually gets looked at. And so when you send stuff out, you find that actually you get very little back because we're all inundated with tidal waves of digital content all the time. It just keeps coming. We go, oh, my day's got more, got more, got more. Most dangerous thing I've ever done, I think, is look at YouTube shorts. Don't. Just don't because it'll occupy your life. And before you know it, two hours have gone by that you'll never get back, right? You think, oh, my, oh, that's interesting. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, they said that. Oh, they said that. Don't steer. Well, anyway, look, you, you, you're wise. You'll know what to do with that. So we're going to go analog, okay? We've got pens and bits of paper that you're welcome to fill out. And, of course, you're also welcome not to fill out, all right? So there's no compulsion. You don't have to fill anything out if you don't want to. But when we do get to that, if you are willing to fill it out, could you please do so in block capitals? That would be awesome because... Uh, We've, we get a few things through into the office and we're like, ah, is that, no, no, no idea. Is that an I? Is that an O? Is it an L? Is it a T? Not sure. So block capitals will really help us loads when we get to that. Right. Now, you all know who that is on the left, I'm sure. And, um, you know, I'm... Don't need to mention them. So, uh, yeah, any any offers? No, not Wesley. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody wrote something looking like that. Yeah, yeah. I spoke to you about him last term, but I didn't put a picture up. Okay, and I'm being very mean and very cruel, expecting you to know who on earth this 16th century guy is. This is. Count Zindendorf, okay, Zinzendorf, there you go, Zinzen, two Zs, and you're like, who on earth is he? Was that his Instagram photo? I don't know. Now, as a community, we find ourselves reacting to the world in a number of ways. We see the way the world's headed, we see where it's going, and we think, oh, I, I'm, I'm not sure that's going to be healthy for everybody. And we read in the Bible, and we talk about and we experience 
the nature and character of the kingdom of God amongst each other, and we go, actually, that's really good. What do we do with that? And then we get this weird thing called church, where we all get together, and we talk about the things of God, and we sing songs to God, and we worship, and we encounter God together, and then we do life together, and we go, wow, that was really good. Sometimes it's really hard, but actually, on the whole, it's really good, right? And we go, wow, what is that? What is it about? We're talking about community and the way of Jesus, practicing his way. And we're coming into land and we're going to look in a minute at some of the foundations of what our community is together and, and why that's the case and what we're about as a people. Now, Count Zinzendorf, born in 1700 and died in 1760. He was exceedingly well positioned to have a wonderful life. He was born into nobility. He had all sorts of opportunities. His family had land. They had power. They had authority. He was fast-tracked. He was an intelligent guy, got into the universities, well-educated, well-trained. And yet there was something burning in his heart that went, actually, there's more to life than this. There's something else that's going on. And I want to know what it is. He encountered Jesus who transformed his world. And you think, whoa, that's a bit weird. Pretty sure Jesus died about 2,000 years ago. So maybe you need to go find a psychologist and get some stuff sorted out because that's not possible, right? We'll have a look at that again in a minute. And by the time he was 27... He'd taken a whole eclectic group of individuals from the Catholic Church, from the Baptist Church, from a whole load of different um, sort of Christian denominations of Europe who were being persecuted at the time. And he gathered them all together in a village. And he said, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to create an amazing space for you all to be together. Let's go do it. And he had high aspirations. This would be a wonderful community. Guess what happened? It all went to pot. Everybody was arguing about what they believed, what was important to them in their doctrine and their understanding of Scripture and where they wanted to go and what was right in their behavior and practice and what was wrong and all of that. And he was like, oh, my days. So he walked away from all the stuff that he had and he went down there and he went from house to house and he went and prayed with all the families from all those different backgrounds. And he went, we've got to start gathering around the core things. Who is Jesus? Who is the Father who loves us? What has he done for us? Let's gather around these. And they started to pray together. And they started a prayer meeting that lasted for hundreds of years. And the Moravian church that grew out of it transformed the world so much that you mentioned Wesley, you mentioned others, they encountered this group and they were so transformed by the fire that was in their bellies that people sold themselves into slavery to be able to go to the West Indies, to go to Ireland and preach the good news of Jesus because their life had been utterly transformed by encountering Jesus, being filled with his Holy Spirit and knowing what their life was now about. Zinzendorf was just a guy like you and me. Everyday people, he had opportunity. 
but he listened to what God was saying and went, do you know what? I want to be about this thing that you're about. And this creative minority, this small group of people, suddenly had huge impact in ones and twos and fives and fours around the world. And I'm sure that you can, within your own cultural heritage, find people and stories just like that. We're small groups of people committed together to see a change. You may or may not know the couple on your right, Alec and Audrey T, who back in the 80s had a heartbeat for the presence of God to be in the community of God, for the Holy Spirit to be given space like we've been doing this morning to come and minister to the body of God, the people of God, and see transformation to push the boundaries from what could be legalistic routine. We're going to read this, then we're going to do that. We're going to stand up. We're going to sit down. We're going to manage the whole of the time in case anybody does anything weird. And then we might give God a bit of opportunity at the end. And they were like, we've been experiencing something of God. This fire started in our hearts. We're experiencing something of the Spirit of God, and we want to see a community develop that will allow that to be the core defining attribute of who they are together. So they started to gather people in their front room, people who were like-minded, who were going to covenant with them to be on that journey. And they founded this church. So that's our heritage. That is the strata of the rock beneath our feet that we stand on. A heritage of people saying, we are hungry for the presence of God above all things. We've tasted and we've seen that he is good and we're dissatisfied with anything else. Have we got there yet? We're on that journey, right? And it's by his grace that we see him move amongst us and we want to give him more and more room. Could you, thank you, David. In um, John Tyson's book, Creative Minority, he comes to this phrase about a group of people who chose to journey together to see the end of all sorts of scenarios of poverty in Europe, and in the UK. And they produced beautifully named organisations like the Small Debt Society and things like that. You think, oh, that's very proper, isn't it? We're going to resolve small debt, so let's create a society. But that's what they did in the 1800s. And they got together and they went, we're going to make a change. Why? Because the purposes of God are worked out in reality on the ground. We cannot hold the goodness of Jesus Christ to pure preaching and message. We've got to bring it, bring it into ground. We've got to make it a tangible reality. And so they chose to support one another's vision and goals far beyond convenience. Just going to let that hang for a moment. It's challenging, isn't it? When Alec and Audrey met in their front room, it wasn't convenient. It was going to have challenges. It was going to be hard. Being part of church isn't convenient. Sunday mornings, newspaper, coffee, eggs, bacon, very nice. 
getting up, getting down here, serving, being on the camera, being in worship, speaking, being present to others, bringing the gift of yourself to others. It's not that convenient, hey? We've got busy lives. We've got stuff going on. But there's a grace. There's a presence of God that is available to us as we give ourselves. We're going to look at the foundations briefly of who we are together. Jesus is the sure foundation of all that we are, and we've been singing about him this morning. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus that uh, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. You are being built together as a dwelling place for God in the spirit. So Jesus shapes us, his message, who he is, what he's done and what he is doing sets the parameters of what we build as a community together. His teaching and his action is all what shapes us. He is the foundation. We find in the Gospels, and we're going to talk about this next week, what he said and who he is and what he's done. And so we see the practical outworking of that as a community, both through our service, but also through the power of God. We are a community that are based upon the word of God, the Bible, as well as the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit present in and amongst his people. The reality is that some communities choose to put to one side the work of the Holy Spirit for fear of what that activity might look like. Because as the psalmist writes, God does what he pleases. And we're not sure always what that is. And so we get a little bit concerned as to how it's going to look, whether it's going to be orderly or disorderly. But God has spoken to us through his word to say, as Jesus did in Acts 1.8, I want you to stay, don't go do anything until the Holy Spirit's poured out on you and then go. Because there was a reality that while he taught the disciples, while he educated them, while he renewed their minds with his spoken word, he also needed to empower them to do the things that they needed to do. So there's an empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, there's an empowering presence of God that we are going to be pursuing together Paul writes to the church where well, he writes to Timothy who's based in Ephesus he's got there Timothy 2 Timothy 3 16 17 that all of the word of God is useful or a tool for the developing of the people for doctrine for sound doctrine and understanding if we want to know what God's thoughts are this is where we go and that's why we teach from his word. And that's why it's a sure foundation to us. Our next foundation is grace. 
It's the unmerited love of God that we've received. Freely given to us by no work or effort of our own. This picture depicting the return of the prodigal son who said to his dad, you know what, you're as good as dead, give me all your money, I want my inheritance now, and then goes and squanders it and makes an absolute mess of his life. And then when all is spent, when all is gone, turns back to the father who sees him from a long way off and runs dishonorably because dads didn't run. That's what you get slaves to go do for you. And he runs and he gathers his son in his arms. This is the picture that Jesus gave us of the father's disposition to his children. It's what he does. He looks out for us from a distance and he runs and he gathers us and embraces us while we're still in our stinking mess. And so that foundation of grace is absolute for us as a community. We're saved by grace on the initiative of God. He's the one who pursues us. It was his goodness that caused the son to turn around and go, surely I can be back with my father. Surely that's the best place I should be. And we serve by grace. So as Kay Marie's provoked us about audiovisual camera work or being in the Muso's band or elsewhere, we serve out of grace. Not out of a sense of I've got to pay back. Not out of a sense of I owe it to God. But out of a sense of the identity you've now given me and the gifts that you've given me are there for an expression, for an expression of your goodness and who you are. And it's a joy. It's a joy to give myself to the work that you've put me to. And we live in grace as a community. And so I'm not you and you're not me, thankfully. And I see the world one way and you see the world your way. And I might be a mouth that gets to speak, but you're a pair of legs upon which we stand and you hold us up in prayer, in support, in community life. And so Paul uses the analogy of a body and he says, look, this part of the body should not say to the other part of the body, I don't need you. Because that's just crazy. How can an eye say to a foot, I don't need you? But he says the church of God is built together as a family, as a body, so that it functions as a whole. And as I've said before in this series, if you're missing, then we're limping. I'm going to come into land on this one before Gareth speaks. Our identity. 1 John 3, 1. John writes, he says, behold, take note, be aware, grasp this fact, grasp this reality, behold it, think about it, stop in your tracks as this letter's being read to you, whoa, behold, what outrageous love of God this is that you get to be called his children. Just don't allow the letter to be read out aloud in that house church and just let it breeze over you. Stop. Oh, hang on. Seriously? 
We're children of God? Oh yeah. This is the manner of love that he has shown that you get to be called children of God. And man, that changes everything. That changes everything. Our identity then is from that place that we do our life. It's there that we serve from. It's there that we walk. It's there that we go into our employment scenarios and into our family. A child of God, a son and a daughter of the king. Paul writes in Romans, he says, we are heirs. We become co-inheritors of the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ who brought us in. Well, really? Yes, absolutely. And Gareth's going to unpack that a little bit more for us now. Thank you, man. Thank you. Just close your eyes for a moment, folks, if you wouldn't mind. As Al has outlined a load of stuff for us there, I just want to take a moment and let Holy Spirit speak to us. Because this is not just about sharing information. This is about hearing from God himself. So you're all sitting on a four-legged chair. And Al has just outlined four foundations for us. Jesus, word and spirit, grace, and identity. And I just want us to ask the Lord to show us where is our chair a little bit wonky? Sometimes we sit down on a, on a four-legged chair and you can tell that one of the legs is a bit shorter than the others. And let's just ask Holy Spirit to show us where we need to redress that balance. Have we fallen out of love with Jesus? Have we become people who just love the word but have kind of set aside the spirit? Are we all striving and works and trying to do it in our own strength and not relying on his grace? Or do we believe that God loves somebody else, but he doesn't really love me? It's all right for that person to say he's a child of God, but I don't think I can say that. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us where our lives need to line up to your truth. So I just want to build a little bit on that foundation. That is such, that is a strong foundation. That is where we stand. That is where life begins to make sense when we know who we are and whose we are. The most, the most powerful, dynamic Christian people that I've ever met in my life were people who know whose they are and, and, and who they are in him. And that's, that's where we want to make sure we're building upon as we seek to be this community, this family. A couple of things wrong with this picture. One is everybody is just too beautiful. You know, let's face it. We don't all look like movie stars and we're not all of the same generation. We are all different where some of us are older. Some of us are younger. Some of us are stunningly attractive, Ken, you know, as I look at you there, mate. Some of us are less, so I'm not going to look at anybody. But let's face it, God has called us to be family. He's called us together, as Al says, to be a body where some of us are perhaps more prominent publicly and others less so. But every single one of us is vital. 
And he calls us into this amazing thing called family, which is beautiful. It's not organizational primarily. It is relational. I was reminded in the first meeting, somebody prayed out and used that Bible term, Abba, where, um, you know, that was the the Aramaic word for dear father in the first century um, Palestinian world, Israelite world. And a friend of mine was on holiday a few years ago at near the Dead Sea, and she was lying on the beach, and kids were in and out of the, of, this, of the sea and just enjoying themselves. And as she lay there just soaking up the rays, she heard little voice after little voice going, Abba, Abba, Abba. And they were all calling for their dad, going, come and do this, come and, come and watch me, come and let me, let me show you what I'm doing. This little heart cry, Abba, Abba. And we need to, we need to, Lay hold of that and keep that very close so that we don't formalize our approach to God and say, oh, you're way out there and I'm I'm not worthy. Now, he loves your voice. He loves the cry of your heart. He loves to hear what's in your heart that is bursting towards him. What an incredible thought. The one whose hands flung stars into space, the one by whose voice our world is held together, wants to hear your voice. He loves it when you cry out to him. He sees us as children of God, that 1 John 3 verse 1 that Al just shared a moment ago. Through Christ, you have become children of God. And we get to call him dad. And we get to draw close to him like that. And so that's the heartbeat behind what we want to express here as his family in community church. We're not saying we're it. We're saying we are an expression of the family of God. We, we get to gather together from all of our different nationalities. It's lovely to see people from different nations. Just shout out your nation as I point in your direction. Tell me where you are from. You can even say England. That's all right. England. Woohoo. Where are you from? Where are we from? Uganda, love it. Come on. Nigeria, yep. Scotland. Nigeria, England, come on. Wales, Ghana, Bulgaria, Czech Republic, Kenya, UK, Hong Kong, all these different nations. And a load of English people over here. Not picking on you. It's fine. We, are, we get to be his family, an expression of the diversity and the beauty and the glory of this amazing God. We could not do it in and of ourselves. Where else would you get such a diverse bunch of people? Where else would you get a family like this gathering together to worship, to love him, to express this common heartbeat? This is the beauty of diverse community. And so we seek to be the family of God in the presence of God, displaying the glory of God. And we can only do it when we we are united in love together for Him. If you want to find out more detail of any of this stuff, click on the About tag on our homepage. This is just the the homepage of our website. Uh, And you'll be able to read lots and lots more detail. Just want to dive into a few little bits of this as we go through. Family, these tag words, family, presence, and glory. Family. This is the revelation that Jesus came to give. 
This is just one, one little verse that came to my mind as I was thinking about this this week. Jesus in John 17 is with his disciples. Those chapters in John's gospel, 15, 16, 17, are an extended time where Jesus is teaching his disciples and revealing all sorts of truth to them. And then in chapter 17, he prays, and it's called Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he just opens up his heart and, and prays to the Father for his disciples. Now, if I was Jesus, praise God that I'm not. But if I was, what would I pray for the bunch of people who were going to be left to do the work of the kingdom and I'm, going, I'm not going to be with them? I would be praying, Lord, give them strategy. Give them wisdom. Give them, give them ideas of how they can build this thing called the church, how they can extend the kingdom, how they're going to overcome obstacles, give them all of the stuff that they are going to need. I'd be, I'd be calling out for God to do that. Instead of that, what we see here is Jesus is saying, my prayer is this, that you, my disciples, will understand. This is eternal life, that you know him. And John chapter 1 says that Jesus came as the only son of the Father to reveal him, to reveal the Father, not to reveal the CEO, not to reveal the great Lord, not to, of course he did that, but the revelation was not in terms of mighty leader, it was Father. He could have chosen the word Caesar, he could have chosen all manner of words patriarch. He could have chosen any, all manner of biblical names to reveal, but instead he used the word father, a, a term for God that was hardly used in biblical history up to that point. In the entirety of the Old Testament, it appears something like 15 times. In the New Testament, it appears something like 300 times. Jesus just totally turned up the contrast and said, yes, God is great. Yes, God is Lord. Yes, God is majestic, but he is your father. Because my kingdom is a kingdom of family relationships, where we love one another, where we are intimate with one another. This is the, the kind of knowledge that Jesus wants us to get hold of, an experiential knowledge of God that is not just academic and dry, but that is deep and personal and intimate, where we look in his eyes as was prayed or, or worshipped earlier on as we, as we sang together, as we look into his eyes and we see him and our hearts cry out, Abba, Daddy, Daddy, dear Father. No fear, no concern for getting it wrong, just coming easily like a child and receiving love, affirmation, acceptance, all the stuff that we need. He knows what we need, and he wants to be that for us. So family, presence, the family of God in the presence of God. And, you know, this is, this is what sets us apart. This is when, when uh, the disciples were, were receiving hard teaching from Jesus, Jesus said to them, what, are you going to leave me as well? And the disciples responded, well, where would we go? You've, you're it. If we're not with you, if we're not in your presence, we're lost. That's my paraphrase of um, the Bible, not actually as it's written. But there's, there is that heartbeat of that recognition in the disciples of, of Lord, you, you carry life in your presence. 
as it says elsewhere in the Psalms. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And we get this theme coming through again and again through Scripture where we see it here in Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. We are designed to be people of His presence. And actually, in the Old Testament, there is no word for presence. It is face. It is, I come to your face, Father, and I look in your eyes. It's like this beautiful little one over here who's asleep in his mother's arms. And as you look down at him and your countenance meets his, and as you look in his eyes, it's that, it is that picture of the presence of the Father who holds you, whether you're a little tiny tiddler like this one, or you're a great big fella like some of these guys in the back row. The Father holds you, looks in your eyes and says, I love you. You're designed for my presence. This is where you will find life. This is where I will pour everything that you need for life. I will give you my presence. And glory. This is the result of spending time in his presence. It re when we do so, it realigns us. We come back into our original design. Many of us will know that little verse in Romans chapter 3, I think it's verse 23, that says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What that tells me, what that tells us, is that there was actually a design of glory that we were meant to carry. We are meant to carry the glory of the image of God. We are created in His image to carry His glory in this earth. And as we come into this place of His presence, as we recognize that He is our Father, we are transformed back into that original image. And once again, we get to carry the glory of God out into the world around us. And so it flows from recognizing him as father, spending time in his presence. And as we do so, just like Moses, who spent time in the presence of God, and he came out of that tent of meeting and his face shone. He was carrying the glory in that moment. And you and I are designed to carry glory. Just like Peter in Acts chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Peter, who was a close friend and disciple of Jesus, one of the apostles. And because he spent time with the risen Savior and his life was drenched in the person of the Holy Spirit, he carried glory. The glory that overshadowed him then began to overshadow those who he came in contact with. And so people would bring out the sick into the streets and lay them on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow may fall on some of them as he passed by. And this, this is how it works for us, how, how it works for you this afternoon, tomorrow, whatever day of the week this week, as you go back into your workplace, having spent time any day and every day in his presence, Walking mindful that you are a child of the risen God. That reality overshadows you and will then impact and overshadow those around you. Your work colleagues, your family, your friends. And just as Peter's shadow 
was able to bring healing. So your shadow, as it is bathed in him, will bring the transformation that only heaven can bring. You don't even have to do very much. So this is what we're all about. This is, this is why we gather. We gather to remind ourselves, to realign ourselves, to say, this is our God. This is who he says I am. This is the glory that, his, that is his intention for me to carry into my day-to-day life. And I trust that's not new to a great deal of you. Many of you will have heard that before. But what we are hoping for today is to do a little bit of a reminder and also to catch up very many of you who are relatively new amongst us. Maybe very new amongst us today. But if you want to dig in a bit deeper, go to our website, go to the About Us page, click on what we believe, click on the belonging booklet. You can see it all there. And you know what? If you already believe all of this, and if you're already completely on board with us and you say, yeah, this is my spiritual family, then that's fantastic. Praise God, stay with us, run with us, build with us. And if you're not quite there, that's also absolutely fine. This is not an exercise that says you must get on page. This is an exercise to say, focus on him. Come back to him. Fall in love with Jesus again. Get those foundation things right. Because he'll never turn you away. And he always wants to bring that transformation into your life. Al, help us through this next little stage. And we'll see where we go. Thank you. Um, the stewards are just uh, handing round or have handed round uh, bits of paper. I said we were going to go analog and uh, away from the digital. Um, we've got this uh, form with a variety of questions on it. And like we say, we've just had in these post-COVID days quite a lot of folk come through. And it's not always easy to catch up with everybody on a Sunday morning. And we send things out digitally but that can be quite hard as you all swipe left and right through the tidal wave of information that comes your way. So we thought, let's go old school, let's go analog, and uh, put some forms and pens around so that you can, uh, so you can give us your info if you wish to. You don't have to. There's no compulsion to do so. You're very welcome just to leave it blank, and um, we'll put it in the recycling or use it another time. Um, but if you do want to put your information down and you want to let us know some answers to these questions... Um, please do so in block capitals, um, like I say, because otherwise it's hard to read and uh, you may never get an email from us or any communication at all. We have a number of questions up there, as Gareth has already identified. Uh, CCBS family, um, whether you're already feeling like you're part of us or you'd like to explore more. Um, Financial, this is the opportunity to say, look, actually... I want to give to where my heart is and I feel like I belong to this family and I'm going to be giving to this family. Um, there's no compulsion to do so. So you're not going to get strong-armed. Nobody's going to come knocking. Peter, Gareth and I, uh, as part of the leadership team, haven't got a clue what people give and we choose to keep it that way and we will not know what you give, okay? Um, the accounts team sort all that out. We're not interested, um, so that's never a conversation we pursue or find out. So as we approach um, our financial year end in April, we're going to be planning our budgets for the forthcoming financial year and looking to understand what we're going to be able to do, what we're going to do with the building, what we're going to do with projects, what we're going to do with staff, and uh, what we're going to do in terms of helping people and 
you know, paying for the sort of different things that we pay for as a community together to help support those in need. So it gives us an idea of who's with us and what we can start looking at doing, okay? I haven't got a Bentley on order, all right? So uh, that isn't, isn't what's going to be happening. I haven't got a timeshare in Spain, all right? So it's, it's not about any of that. It's how are we going to develop the ministry of this community together as a group of people. Our accounts are completely open. You can have a look at them at any time you like, and you can see how the money is spent. We have a group of excellent trustees from a variety of different walks of life who oversee all our financial activity so that you know what's going on. If you'd like to speak to Peter, Gareth or I about the concept of a tithe, which we believe is a biblical concept, which I've done throughout my working life where I give 10% of my income to the local church for its ministry, then feel free to talk to us about that and we can explore that further. If that's a new concept for you or it's just way out there and you're like, whoa, what on earth is this? We don't know, okay? Um, but let's, let's explore that together and, and see where we go. As we come into land, um, should we just pray together? If you're filling out a form, uh, feel free. If you haven't filled it out, that's absolutely fine. No issue at all, but let's pray. Father God, I thank you that our foundation is Jesus what he did for us, the grace that you've shown to us and your father's heart that runs towards us and embraces us. And we ask you, Lord God, to establish your word and your spirit within us as a community, cause us to mature and grow up into Christ's likeness, to be the people of God that you call us to be. Cause our hearts to be connected to one another as we look at you and draw close to you. And I pray, Lord God, that you would rise up within us a passion to see your ministry outworked in this place and in this town and across the towns and the nations of the world. Come and do immeasurably more with this creative minority amongst us.